Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. This is a podcast from Minute Media. It's Let's ride. for the words that are recited before each and every game here at Dodger Stadium. Take it away, Finn. It's time for Dodger Baseball. What's going on, everyone? Thank you for listening to another episode of the Incline Dodgers podcast. Hope you're all doing well out there. Thanksgiving's right around the corner. We're about a week away, so that's exciting. I know David loves Thanksgiving. Maybe he'll yes, I do. give you guys some tips in a little bit. But yeah, we're recording here November 18th. Not too much has gone on in the offseason over the past week, but have no fear. We got some exciting topics to cover today. It'll just be me and David Rosenthal this evening. So let's get started. The latest Dodgers news is that Chris Taylor and Corey Seager officially declined their call, their qualifying offers. And actually around Major League Baseball, only one player accepted that qualifying offer for $18.4 million, And it was the San Francisco Giants own Brandon Belt. Yeah, it's honestly not much of a surprise. We knew that it was a small chance that either of Taylor or Seager were going to accept. Seager was never, ever going to happen. Taylor felt like there was a small chance, but obviously his market is strong enough to where he's going to get more than $18 million a year for one year, which reflects the season he had. Um, granted, like we said last week, I think the first domino that's going to have to fall before all these Chris Taylor-type players sign is going to be one of the big shortstops signing. Uh, and as we've seen... As Rob Manfred echoed in his press conference, there's probably going to be a work stoppage on December 1st. Uh, that doesn't mean there's not going to be a season. Uh, it just means they're going to have to, you know, the, the CBA is literally going to expire and they're not going to have a new one until, you know, when that day comes. What that means is there's not going to be any contracts during that period. So what a lot of people are anticipating is in these next 12, 13 days, you could see some big dominoes start to fall. And I, I tend to agree with them. Yeah, we're going to talk about those shortstops in a little bit in this episode. But I wanted to talk about some just things that happened around Major League Baseball real quick. Justin Verlander, who hasn't pitched in two years, signed a two-year deal uh, with some incentives. It's a one-year $25 million with a club option for another $25 million. And then Noah Syndergaard uh, signed with the Angels. Verlander back to the Astros. Syndergaard, 21 million. He hasn't really pitched in two years either. 
what really stood out to me with these contracts is the fact that these guys haven't thrown in two years yet they got this type of money. So what that tells me is that this free agent market for starting pitchers, these guys are prepared to make huge dollars and that's going to put the Dodgers in a position to maybe go out in the trade market. And I have some ideas in a second, but I wanted to get your thoughts, David, on what this uh, market kind of has in store for the Dodgers. Yeah. uh, I mean, a player like Justin Verlander of his caliber, even with the Tommy John surgery, uh, the sticky stuff ban, which a lot, not a lot of people are talking about. We haven't seen him pitch without sticky stuff. Uh, and let me tell you, he was a beneficiary beneficiary of that. Uh, he looked like a new pitcher when he got to Houston. Brent Strom, well-known sticky stuff uh, creator. Pretty sure he had a brewery in his backyard. But in terms of the market, I think you're right, Kevin. I think we're going to see Clayton Kershaw re-sign with the Dodgers at a reasonable price. I know you and I agree here, uh, disagree here, but I think he's going to get around 15 to 20 million from the Dodgers. Max Scherzer, on the other hand, I don't know if that's going to be the case. I think he might be destined to leave in free agency. I think the Dodgers are going to do their best to keep him. But after what happened with Trevor Bauer last year, I don't know if they're going to be willing to pay up to 30, 35 million a year for a 38, 39 year old starting pitcher. Uh, I just don't see it. And like you said, there's plenty of other avenues to acquire starting pitching. We've seen Andrew Friedman do it before. Uh, They still have a pretty deep farm system. Uh, And that's, uh, you know, Andrew Friedman's got a lot to work with. Let's just, let's just leave it at that. Yeah. So the Dodgers are in a very tough spot on the Max Scherzer front. We kind of hear differing reports, but basically what I can gather is that Scherzer to the Dodgers is not an automatic lock at this point. He is going to chase the money. Now, what's kind of confusing is that going to a contender is important to Scherzer. Obviously, the Dodgers fit that mold, but I don't know how many teams out there are willing to pay the type of money that Scherzer wants while trying to contend as well because after what we just saw with Syndergaard and Verlander got and they haven't thrown in two years, and here you have Max Scherzer who finished third in the Cy Young Award voting, probably should have finished higher. But back to the point, he was absolute nails down the second half. No one could touch him. Obviously, that changed in the postseason. But point being, Scherzer is setting himself up for at least probably 33 to $35 million, if not more. Could be 40 annually. I have no idea because it's a Boris client. But I don't think the Dodgers should feel obligated to necessarily pay that. I agree. I, I don't think they should either. Um, a lot of people are going to go back to this trade if he doesn't re-sign. And let's say Trey Turner doesn't re-sign. They're going to go back to this trade and say, what the hell were the Dodgers doing? Well, that's not entirely fair because what the Dodgers were doing was trying to win a World Series. Uh, this trade was, it was a success regardless. Obviously, Scherzer's you know, getting a dead arm at the end of the year didn't help. Trey Turner didn't really show up in the playoffs. That didn't help. But in terms of a successful trade, Absolutely. You put the chips in the middle and you go for the world series. So I don't want to hear any of that, you know, hindsight talk uh, because this is, it was a good trade regardless of what happens in the future. As yeah, for I, Scherzer's return to the Dodgers, I'm kind of 50, 50 on this. I, I, I could see it happening, but I could also easily see it not happening. I could see a team like the angels, the giants, uh, the Mariners, the Rangers, the tigers, teams who want to spend money, go after this guy. Uh, and it's just going to be a matter of what does he prioritize? Is he going to prioritize an extra $5 million a year? Or is he going to prioritize remaining in a situation he was comfortable with for the last two months this season? He said it himself. 
that he meshed well with his team instantly. It's going to be interesting. Yeah, and I hate to say it, but I wouldn't count out the Mets either. Now, obviously, their hiring of Billy Epler is going to be a disaster, but they were in on Trevor Bauer last season. They just lost Syndergaard. They are probably going to be in that mix at some point. And if Scherzer was 34, 35, I'd say, yeah, give him the bag three or four years. But he's 37. After what happened in the postseason with the dead arm, those are minor red flags to me. And the narrative that I'm trying to spin for this Dodgers rotation is they need to get younger. And so let's talk about getting younger because I think there are some avenues to acquiring more starting pitching. Andrew Heaney was a good start. He was He's like 30. He'll be like their number five or Alex Wood hybrid role. But it was reported by Bob Nightingale in the USA Today that the Dodgers have been in talks with the Cincinnati Reds to potentially acquire either or both Luis Castillo and Sonny Gray. Castillo is 28 with two years of control left on his contract. And you have Sonny Gray, who is 32, and he has a one-year guarantee with an incentivized second year. Yeah, I would love Luis Castillo. We've talked about him on the show quite a bit. Um, I don't think it's super likely. Uh, I know that the Reds are trying to, you know, kind of cut payroll but I feel like they're also still trying to remain somewhat competitive. And if you're going to remain competitive, you should probably keep Luis Castillo on your team. Uh, He kind of came alive in the second half uh, after a poor first half. I don't know what the real chances of this are. I I think the Dodgers are going to be, you're going to hear about the Dodgers interest in a lot of guys, because frankly, they have a lot of holes in that pitching rotation as of right now. Um, I think Sonny Gray is more likely due to the, you know, financial incentive of the Reds to shed payroll. And I'd, I'd like that. I'd like to see Sonny Gray and Dodger Blue. I think he fits well. But, you know, if I had my preference, give me Luis Castillo all day. <laughs> I'm, planting my fla- I'm planting my flag right now. I'm calling my shot. The Dodgers and the Reds, I'm guaranteeing a blockbuster deal goes down this winter. I don't know if it'll be Castillo, but whether it's Sonny Gray or maybe Tyler Molly. I don't think they have anyone else worth trading for. One of those guys is going to be wearing Dodger blue next season. I could, I mean, I could see it. We've seen that the the Dodgers and the Reds deal quite a bit. Uh, I know Ken Rosenthal reported that it's unlikely that the Reds are going to trade Luis Castillo, but in that report from Rosenthal, that made no mention of Sonny Gray, which is why I think that Sonny Gray could very well be being moved in this off season and, like I said, we've seen the Dodgers and the Reds do business before. Now, the Reds have got the short end of the stick there quite a bit. Uh, so they're going to be wary to deal with Andrew Friedman. <laughs> yeah, the GM a few days ago actually said it himself that in hindsight, he knows he got played and he's not going to let that happen again. Yeah, well, credit to him for the honesty. But I mean, <laughs> I mean, shit, man, I don't, I don't think we're going to be able to, to swing that trade again. But yeah, these two starters check all the boxes. I have to see one of these guys. There's another team that I'm going to talk about in a second where we could get someone as well. But these just fit the mold. I mean, both these guys are in their prime. They can get you innings. They give you an ERA in the three the three range. They have some postseason experience as well. I would embrace any of these. And with the uncertainty that Clayton Kershaw returns or Max Scherzer, there's definitely going to be some pressure on Freeman right now to build up that rotation. But there is another team out there looking to make some moves as well, and it's the Miami Marlins. 
they are desperate for some outfielders. We could give them Luke Rayleigh. I will drive him to Miami myself. <laughs> but there are reports that they would be interested if they get the right return in dealing either Sandy Alcantara or Pablo Lopez. And I think there was one other guy, but those were the two big names in that rotation. And the same thing that I just went off about with the Reds. Both these guys in their prime, they throw hard. They have nice breaking stuff. Would love either of them in this Dodgers rotation as well. So there are some great options on the market right now. Yeah, I mean, Alcantara is disgustingly dirty. I mean, that that is their ace right there. Yes, uh, Trevor Rogers is legit. Yes, Sixto Sanchez is amazing when he's healthy. Pablo Lopez is good. But Sandy Alcantara is the prize. That 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 is the prize in that Marlins rotation. Again, the price is going to be super, super steep. Uh, we did see the Marlins and the Dodgers complete a trade last year. Yep. Uh, Floro for Vesia, among others. Uh, I forget. I think they got some other guy named Hurt, too, who looks apparently yeah. really good in the minors already, too. So who knows if Kim Ng is going to be willing to deal with Andrew Friedman after kind of getting fleeced as well. So we'll see, man. They got a lot of options. There's other teams. There's other guys who, you know, we might might not jump out to us uh but when put in a dodgers uniform and working with the dodgers pitching coaches might be a different story than what they did last season so i'm excited to see what happens i think in terms of a trade i don't think we're we're gonna get anything in the next 12 days before this work stoppage slash lockout whatever you want to call it happens so i i'm I'm honestly just waiting for correa or seager to sign at this point you could always count on a dodgers marlins trade there's got a there's had to have been at least three or four of them now in this Friedman tenure. Yeah. Well, we, that one trade, I mean, we got, we got a uh, Kike Hernandez and, and uh, Barnes out of it, but Chris Hatcher was, was a nightmare, a national nightmare. Yeah. And they also got Matt Latos another year. That was pretty yep. bad too. Yep. Okay. This is where it's going to get interesting. We know Corey Seager's a free agent, obviously. We haven't heard a whole lot about where he stands. I can assume there's three teams really in on him. It's the Rangers, it's the Yankees, and it's the Dodgers. Now, take this with a grain of salt. I don't know how much stock you can put into this, but if you love to read the New York Daily News, sounds like someplace that Clark Kent would work at. Yeah. But this is Matthew Robertson. He says, sources are telling me that the Yankees are preferring a stopgap at shortstop as opposed to paying the big bucks to get someone. Now, what kind of contradicts that is I heard Hal Steinbrenner, like the same day saying, we would embrace Carlos Correa too, and, but he didn't actually talk about how much they would pay him. I think, I think the Yankees might chicken out and not actually end up paying one of these guys, but we'll see what happens there. And then obviously Carlos Correa had lunch today with AJ Hinch, no talks about what a deal could be, but I think Correa to the Tigers is almost a lock at this point. So this is where David, you can get us, you can get a word in real quick and then I'm going to rant. So I'm not buying that report whatsoever. The Yankees did everything in their power to get under that luxury tax last year. And Brian Cashman did a phenomenal job. He added Gallo and Rizzo at the deadline and remained under that CBT line. There no more penalties for the Yankees. Obviously we don't know what the next threshold is going to be because there's not a new CBA right now, but regardless, the Yankees are not going to have a luxury tax penalty. They are the New York Yankees. I have a hard time believing 
that they are not willing to pay the big bucks for a player like Corey Seager or Carlos Correa. I just have a hard time seeing it. They haven't been to a World Series since 2009. Uh, that is a franchise that expects greatness, and if you're not in the World Series, it's a failure. They, they need something to get over the hump. Frankly, I think it's pitching. But in terms of, of a player, Corey Seager or Carlos Correa can get you over that hump. You pair him with Aaron Judge, with Giancarlo Stanton when he's healthy, and then you're in business. Um, I think Correa's personality fits New York perfectly, and I think Corey Seager's skill set fits them perfectly. So I, I, I honestly think I'm still in the camp that I think Correa – is going to end up in Detroit and Corey Seager is going to end up in New York. So this is where I want to start. I have a really hard time imagining that the Dodgers are going to just let Corey Seager walk. I'll give you a couple of reasons. First of all, his bat last season, 915 OPS, 145 OPS plus. We know how important he is to the lineup. Every season that Corey Seager has been a Dodger, the Dodgers have made the postseason. You can pair him at the top with Mookie Betts as your leadoff, Corey Seager as your number two. That is arguably the best one-two punch in Major League Baseball over the last two years. Now, people are saying it's easy to just replace Corey Seager because they have Trey Turner. Here's the catch. Trey Turner is going to be a free agent in one year. And that free agency class in 2023, after you weed out Trey Turner, it's a hot mess. There is absolutely no one else worth signing that's gonna change over your roster unless guys start opting out of their contracts such as nolan arenado if he has that or someone else so my point is trey turner is going to be the hot commodity and i don't think he's going to sign an extension with the dodgers during the season because he knows he has an opportunity to make the exact same contract as carlos correa or Corey seager and if the Dodgers weren't willing to pay Seager, whose bat is just as fine as Trey Turner, and we know Seager gives you more in the postseason, what makes anyone think that they're going to go around and now give it to Trey Turner, who might command even more money? I disagree. I think, first of all, I don't think the Dodgers are just willing to let Corey Seager walk. I, I think they are going to do everything in their power to keep him. But I also don't think they're going to pay $350 million to do that. I don't care what anyone tells you. The Dodgers are not viewing Corey Seager as a long-term shortstop. If they're going to pay him, they're going to pay him to play shortstop for two, maybe three more years, and then shift over to third base, maybe first base, or maybe even DH. So they're paying for the bat. Second thing, it, let's say Corey Seager does take the deal in New York, Detroit, Texas, wherever. Andrew Friedman is going to re-sign Trey Turner, whether it be an extension or whether it be a uh, next off season, that's just, he's not going to let both of them go. That's you don't trade for Trey Turner uh, for basically a year and a half and let him and Seager walk. That's I, I just have a hard time seeing that happen. And, you know, in terms of him letting, wanting to, to go to free agency, I, I see what you're saying, but at the same time, when a team offers you close to $300 million, you're, you're 28, going to be 29-year-old shortstop. You want to take that deal. You never know what could happen. You could tear your ACL. You never know what going to – anything could happen. So if, if a contract that he deems worthy, somewhere between 250 300 million, is put in front of Trey Turner, he's going to sign it. 
And yes, in the past, he said he prefers or doesn't want to sign, uh, you know, with a West Coast team. Yeah, let's see what that. Let's see what he says when 250, 300 million is put in front of him. He lives in LA for three months, starts to like. He's like, oh, maybe it's not so bad. Oh, maybe I'll go back to uh, Florida in the offseason. Yeah, that's what's going to happen. Now here's the retort: We have no idea what this CBA is going to do. These players could go from all of a sudden making 300 million to 400 million. How do you figure that though? Because you know this is going to be, this is going to come down to the players wanting more money. It's going to be the owners trying to cut costs while the players are going to try to increase payroll. Right. But you can't force the, you know, the only thing a CBA could do would be drastically implement a salary floor, which is never going to happen. Um, You can't instruct teams to pay top guys more. I I mean, that's just not going to happen. That's that's these contracts are, are just market dictated Uh, like Francisco Lindor. He set the market for these shortstops last off season. That, that is why you're hearing about all these, Correa and Seager estimates around the same price because a player like that is going to set the market for these deals. The CBA is not going to have too much of an impact on the. You mentioned some good points, including that Corey Seager might be a third baseman in the long term. Well, that would actually benefit the Dodgers because Justin Turner honestly has probably one year left in him. So that's going to be a void you're going to need to fill. They do want to re-sign Trey Turner. They can spend the money to get both. You move Trey Turner to shortstop. They're not paying both, Kevin. Well, then fine. You got money. You know, then you, you got Gavin pay. Lux. Yeah, I mean, Lux would be the the answer at short if you're going to pay Seager. But my point is, when do you when do you pay third baseman three hundred and fifty million dollars? You you the don't Padres, really do that. Padres uh, did with Manny Machado. The Rockies basically did with Nolan Arenado. Uh, yeah, I mean, yes and no. Um, obviously, both of those guys are gold glove third basemen, um, whereas Seager would probably just get by at third. So, I don't know. I don't see the Dodgers going over $270 million for Seager, which frankly is about the, the most I would pay him. Um, if, if a team wants to go 325 350 then thank you for everything, Corey Seager, but it's time to let him go. I mean, that's just, that's just too much money. I don't think he's going to get 350. I think 320 is probably the range he could get or maybe 300. It's all up in the air at this point. Obviously it's market driven. All it takes is one team to outbid the other. It's not like he's going to say, okay, well I'm sitting out because no one's going to pay me 350 million. If he has to take the 300 million, cause that's the best offer out there, then that's what he's going to get. Yeah. I mean, Hey, if that Yankees report is true, then that's good news for the Dodgers in terms of keeping Corey Seager because I don't think there's going to be too many teams who want to pay him over $300 million. I just don't see more than five teams being that's, willing to do that. Um, that's exactly how I view it. But I also don't believe that report. So, I mean, it's going to be interesting. I, I think one of these deals gets done in the next 10 days. I, I really do. Um, it's been awfully quiet on the Seager front. We haven't really heard anything yeah. Um, which usually is a sign that the Dodgers are working. Uh, Dodgers are super that's, tight-lipped organization. That's a very good point. Um, you know, sometimes we'll hear nothing, and then all of a sudden it's, hey, we signed this guy. Uh, so we'll see. Uh, they, they got plenty of options, man. Uh, you know, let's just hypothetically say Seager and, and Correa go to New York and Detroit. I don't think the Dodgers are, are – 
can be ruled out of the Trevor Story sweepstakes. I mean, this is a guy who is, for some reason, going to get, what, 75 to $100 million less than these two guys? And you, you pair him up with Correa stats-wise, it's pretty damn close. Uh, that's something yeah. looking into. I mean, I'm not opposed to Story, but essentially by signing Story, you're saying goodbye to Trey Turner. Yeah, yes. But, I mean, hey, if 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 you can sign Trevor Story for $175 million, you may have to just do that. Because yeah. there's no guarantee Trey Turner is going to take that price. But if you can get Story for $100 million less, I mean, hey, that's that's something that you know, the owners and, and, and the finances would love. Whereas he had a, he definitely had a down season, but you look at it year after year, he's right up there. He's right up there with those guys. Yeah. Story is a great player. Would definitely be a fan. My last pitch though, on why the Dodgers need to bring back Corey Seager. He's only 27. You've signed him for 10 years at the most. Okay. You have until his age 37, maybe age 38 season. Oh, well, the Dodgers as a team right now, they want to win. They showed that, obviously, with the Scherzer and Turner acquisition. They're all in. Signing Corey Seager is not going to set them back financially. I just don't see a scenario where he this contract is like an Anthony Rendell, where it just is a full-blown mess, sets the Angels back. This is not going to happen with Corey Seager. You look at all his recent metrics, besides the defense, I know, yes, he is below average. We can... We can, we can live with that. Whether it's barrel percentage, hard hit rate, expected batting average, hard hit ball, all that stuff that I probably have repeated stuff. It's all in the high reds, like nineties to a near a hundred percentile. This guy's bat as legitimate as you get when it comes to a shortstop in terms of hitting power, he is a unicorn in this game. You're not going to find too many Corey Seegers out there not only in this current generation, but all time. And he is just entering the thick of his prime right now. We saw what he did in 2020. We saw what he did in 2021 when he didn't have to recover from a broken hand. This is going to be a hard bat to replace. I don't think the Dodgers are going to be just okay. Like, obviously, they can still win the division and compete for years to come. But if you lose Corey Seager, that is definitely going to allowed the rest of the competition to inch closer to you than where they would be with Seager. I agree. I mean, his bat is elite. There's no debate there. Um, it's, it's, it would be a tough loss a hundred percent, but you got to think long-term here. Um, whether, whether we like to blame him or, or the circumstances, he hasn't stayed healthy that often in his career. Uh, that's just a fact. So when he's on the field, he is one of the most valuable players in the league offensively, no doubt about it. The problem is the defense and staying on the field. And if I frankly don't think that the Dodgers are going to go over 300 million for that, I I just don't see it. Um, You got to think about what's in, what's in the future. You're going to have to pay Walker Bueller. I I personally think Cody Bellinger is going to have a huge 2022. So you're going to have to pay him at some point too. Julio Arias, not not the next one or two years after that, gonna have to pay him. Uh, yeah, well, you know it's you, you got to think long term here, and if you're gonna commit three hundred million dollars to Corey Seager, that's basically thirty million a year to go along with Mookie Betts's thirty million dollars a year. 
Absolutely. That's tough. I mean, that's, you know, obviously the new CBA, there's not going to be a salary uh, cap. We know that. But how, how uh, deep are these owners' pockets willing to go and for how long? That's the key. We know they're willing to spend now, but for how long are they willing to spend? Absolutely. And yes, Bueller is definitely going to be someone we have to pay. Cody Bellinger, if he can prove that he can put together a full 162, you have to pay him. Julio Urias is a Scott Boris client. I think he's a goner, but we can worry about it in two years or whatever. But I want to now shift gears here. It's still on the Seager front, but a different topic. This involves Corey Seager versus Carlos Correa. Now, I understand what Bill Plaschke is saying to an extent. He says that if Corey Seager is gone, then they need to replace him. But this idea of signing Carlos Correa to be that guy to replace him is just completely asinine. And then he goes on to ESPN 710, the Mason and Ireland show, tries to prove a point that just didn't stand, claiming that Carlos Correa adds a certain clutchness that this team would need and everyone's going to love him. I don't give a shit. This guy cheated the Dodgers out of the 2017 World Series championship. And to go in a different direction now, the people that are claiming Carlos Correa is a more clutch bat than Corey Seager can kiss my you-know-what. I have the stats to back this up. You look at the NL- you look at the NLCS versus ALCS, the championship series stats between the two. Carlos Correa in the championship series has an 8-10 OPS with six home runs. He's played in five series. Corey Seager in the championship series has a 902 OPS with seven home or with, yeah, with seven home runs in three championship series in the World Series, the biggest stage of them all. Corey Seager has a 924 OPS with three home runs, while Carlos Correa has a 724 OPS with three home runs. Now, might I add, Corey Seager did a lot of this damage in Texas, one of the most gigantic pitchers' parks that I had ever seen in this era where I feel like the Dodgers had to adjust for an entire series just to get the ball over the fence. Meanwhile, you have Carlos Correa, who plays at Minute Maid Park half the time, where that Crawford's boxes is, is like a baby park Mario Kart status, where you need an a X batting average of 180 to get it over the fence. And might I add, for three seasons, 2017 to 2019, Carlos Correa was cheating. Yeah, I mean, there's no question... Carlos Correa is somewhat of a juice box merchant. He has benefited from that stadium. There's no, I mean, how could you not? My problem is why the hell are people even talking about this? Carlos Correa is not signing with the Dodgers. It's not happening. Uh, You or I have an equal chance of that. Honus Wagner's dead body has an equal chance of that. Bill from down the street, your local grocery store bagger has an equal chance. Why are people getting their panties in a bunch over this online? It's like every day on Twitter, it's, it's people are like having a debate. It's not happening under any, if, if the Dodgers are going to pay that money, it's going to be to Corey Seager period. Like that, that's it. And end of discussion. I don't care. Yes. Carlos Correa is a phenomenal player. Would I root for him if he's on the Dodgers? Absolutely. Would I hate if he was on the Dodgers? Honestly, no, 
Like I'd be okay with it. I would, I would, it would take some time getting used to, I don't like the guy. I actually really don't like the guy, but if he's wearing a Dodgers Jersey, so be it. That's just how I am as a fan. If you're wearing Dodger blue, I'm going to root for you. But again, we've the people online and frankly, anyone who's still talking about this is needs to just shut up. Bill Plaschke is making an early case for the 2022 stupid bastard of the year <laughs> award right now with that stupid comment. If you haven't voted yet in the Incline Awards, the description is below where you can get the link. And we're going to announce those winners actually in our next episode next week. So stay, so listen for that. That's going to be exciting stuff. But yes, this Not is the happening. same. This Not is the same happening. guy. This is the same guy, Bill Plasty, who had his panties wet along with Dylan Hernandez at the thought of signing Trevor Bauer. Now all of a sudden, a year later, he's all he's all in on signing Correa, a guy that like I just said, cheated the Dodgers out of winning a World Series. Why would you ever want to trust a cheater? I don't get it. I feel legitimately bad for Jorge Castillo at the LA Times. That he is <laughs> he is a great journalist and he is a even keel great writer. And he is sandwiched between Bill Plaschke and Dylan Hernandez. That is the sandwich from hell. And I feel bad for Jorge. I wanted to go through this quick Twitter question from a listener out there. Baxter McNally at McNally Baxter on Twitter. This is rapid fire right here. Three of them. True or false? Chris Taylor is better than Kike Hernandez. True. That's an easy true after what Chris Taylor did in this last NLCS. And I know Kike also had an incredible ALCS. So Molly Knight, we don't need to be reminded that they let him walk. Please just be quiet, Molly. I'm sorry. Just please be quiet. Chris Taylor showed what he can do at the biggest stage. And I feel like he just has a better bat than Kike. Now I'll give the edge to Kike on defense, but Chris Taylor is going to get paid way more than Kike will. You're about to find out what, what Chris Taylor's valued at. I give, I give Kike the edge in the out in the, uh, the infield, but outfield, honestly, I think Taylor's got the edge there. True or false? True or false? Max Scherzer and CT3 are the most important Dodgers free agents. Uh, that's a tough one. I know you're gonna say false because um, yep. you're you want you 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 got Seager, but I, I'm gonna say half true, half false. I think Chris Taylor is an important free agent. Um, I think they can survive without Max Scherzer. Um, my heart says Clayton Kershaw is the most important free agent. Um, and what he did in the first half of this season would back that up on the field too. If he's healthy, you, you, you got an ace. Like he isn't a legitimate ace when he's healthy still. Um, so I'm going to say Absolutely. the answer to the question is, is a maybe I, I don't really know how to answer that one because I do think Corey Seager is also important. I will say false as David already predicted. I'm very predictable at this point. I've been saying since probably since August now it's Max Scherzer and it's Corey Seager. Those are your one, two. Lastly, true or false. The giants will miss the postseason in 2022. True. I will die on this Hill. I already died on the first Hill that they were bad and going to fall apart all last season. So I'll die on this Hill again. I don't give a shit. My body's already dead. I want to say, true as well 
the loss of Buster Posey is going to be really tough to overcome. He is essentially the heart of that team. Yeah. If they can pump Joey Bart with a bunch of steroids to make me or give him what, whatever they gave captain America and turn Joey Bart into that, maybe the giants make the postseason. Now it's a little premature to write them off already. Cause we don't know what they're going to do in the off season, but right now my gut says, yeah, they will miss it. Yeah. I mean, their starting pitching rotation is Logan Webb and a room full of air. Uh, so they have one steroid monster and four empty spaces. So it's an easy yes that they're going to miss the playoffs right now. So we don't normally talk about the rule five draft. I think this is the first time on the incline. We're going to give it a dive, (laughs) but just to give you guys a little insight to how this works. If you're, if you signed with a club at the age of 18 or under, you have to be added to the 40 man roster within five years. Or if you're 19 or older and sign with a club, you have to be added to the 40 man within four seasons. Otherwise that makes you rule five draft eligible. And how this basically works is that it's inverse of the standings. So obviously if you finished in last place, you get the first pick and you do a draft of those eligible guys. You pay the team. I think I read hundred K to get the rights to that player. You have to add that guy to your 40 man. And the other catch is they have to be on your 26 man roster. You cannot option them to the minor leagues. If you decide to, that they're just not cut out for this, then you have to either trade them or DFA them. And then the team actually that had the rights, let's say it's the Dodgers had that player stolen in the rule five. They have the option of getting that player back. And that actually happened a couple of years ago with Connor Joe, Connor Joe went to the giants didn't work out, ended up back in the Dodgers. Now he's a Rocky. So, yeah. He did have a good year for them. So the Dodgers, they have a few guys eligible that we're going to cover. A little more insight and perspective, though, until last season, they lost a couple notable names, Jordan Sheffield and Brett DeGoose. I don't know how to say his. I think it's DeHaze. DeHaze. Okay, Brett DeHaze. Now, Sheffield, I think, worked out in Colorado. DeGaze did not. He was designated for assignment after 19 games. He had an 8.44 ERA, ended up on another team. So that puts teams, I guess, in a tough spot because if you're going to snag a guy, you have to be certain he's a major league ready baseball player. Yeah. Um, like, like you said, it's this, this is a beneficiary for teams who are bad. Uh, you can pick out a player from a prospect prospect rich team like the Dodgers, like the Rays, someone like that, and immediately put them on your roster and have them play. That being said, I know that's if you're not understanding what this is, it's kind of complicated. So I'm just going to, as simple as possible, the Dodgers have a 40-man roster. If the Dodgers want to protect the guys Kevin is about to list for you from being eligible from this uh, uh, Rule 5 draft, they have to put them on the 40-man roster. Otherwise, teams can pick them out and then do what Kevin said, put them on their 26-man roster, and then they basically get that player. So right now, the Dodgers' 40-man roster sits at 37. That means they can protect three guys. And I think Kevin is going to read some of the guys who are in the Dodgers system now eligible for the Rule 5 draft, meaning they can be stolen by other teams if not protected and put on the Dodgers' 40-man roster. 
Yeah, so there's a lot of options, so I'm not going to read them off. But some notable ones, Jacob Amaya, who I think is ranked in the top 10 now for the Dodgers prospects, he is eligible. Uh, Eddie's Leonard showed some really great progress in the minors. He's in the low A or high A level, I want to say. James Outman in the outfield, he is uh, eligible. You might have recognized that name from spring training because he did have um, some at-bats with the club. Ryan Noda, another one. I believe they acquired him from the Blue Jays in that Ross Stripling deal. Jaron Kendall, who was a first-round pick, just hasn't worked out with the Dodgers thus far, but obviously there has to be some promise there if he was a first-round pick. And then pitchers-wise, Michael Grove has really struggled in the minors, but he's supposed to have really good stuff. Um, Marshall Kozowski's in there, Gus Farland, Yadier Alvarez, Another guy who was supposed to have great pedigree hasn't really pitched in like three years, I think due to personal reasons. Yeah. And yeah, that's, those are the notable ones. Omar Estevez too. Um, we saw him in spring training a bit. And then another guy we I've been right. hearing about is, is this guy Jorbit Vivas. Um, I don't think they're going to protect him and I don't know if he'll get stolen. Uh, but I think that's a guy to keep an eye on. My prediction is, they protect Amaya and they protect Altman. I think that's that, those are the two guys they're going to protect. That would be my guess. None, none of the other two names, none of the other names really jump out at me as would really cost the Dodgers if they lost them. Yeah, I think protecting Amaya makes a lot of sense. Not necessarily for the Dodgers to use him, but just to keep that trade piece because I do think teams would try to claim him just because I mentioned top 10 prospect. But the guy that they actually have to keep is James Outman. I've been a big Outman guy since I saw him play in spring training. was really impressive. Over the high A ball to double A level, had a slash line of 266, 379 on base, 490 slugging. He was playing in the fall league, posted a 292 batting average with a 425 on base, 18 home runs, 56 RBIs during the uh, regular season, and he's 24. This guy is quickly naming, making a name for himself, rising in the ranks really quickly. And it wouldn't surprise me if this guy is a, a, known, a known guy around the household in a year or two because this guy's showing a ton of potential. And like David mentioned, 40 man's at 37. They got to sign some free agents too. If I, have to give, if I have to give Outman one of those spots, nice knowing you, Luke Rayleigh or Billy McKinney, because sorry, I think Outman can already give you more than what those two had to show. Yeah. Um, they got some wiggle room with some guys on the current 40 man roster. Um, like you mentioned, McKinney, Rayleigh, uh, I don't think they're giving up on Rex yet. Uh, noisy could be, could be a goner. Andrew Vasquez could be a goner. Uh, Nunez could be a goner. So they, they got some wiggle room. Um, obviously we don't know what's going to happen with Trevor Bauer, uh, who's currently taking up a spot. Um, so yeah, but bottom line, it's not going to be huge news either way. I think they, those, those two guys we mentioned are going to be kept. Uh, and if you want more coverage on this, follow uh, at future Dodgers on Twitter. He has some really good stuff uh, in terms of Dodgers prospects. Last thing I wanted to cover. And then David, if you have anything else, feel free to throw that my way too. It's the MLB awards. Yeah. That's what I wanted to get into too. We'll start with the Cy Young. No real shocker in the American League. It was Robbie Ray because everyone else was pretty bad. 
I yep. wish someone from the <laughs> National League could have taken one of those AL Cy Young awards. They would have been more deserving. Out in the National League front, Corbin Burns won in a very tight race with Zach Wheeler. If you remember, I said Corbin Burns was going to win the NL Cy Young, so I'm patting myself on the back. You even did. though I missed out on those like plus five thousand odds, so that no, that's, that's that stinks. I'm a little annoyed that Max Scherzer finished third and behind Zach Wheeler. I feel like Scherzer had the better season. And what really bothers me is that Walker Buehler finished behind what he finished seventh. Uh, I don't know. I forget. Maybe it was fifth. I think it was fifth, and Urias was seventh. But point being, oh, in this in Cy Young, yeah. No, he got fourth. Oh, he got fourth. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Run away fourth. I'm annoyed was... that Bueller finished behind Wheeler, despite having a better ERA. And honestly, I think he had the better body of work. It, it just cost him one bad start against the Giants, and that was basically Bueller's signing award chances. But I digress. National League MVP, Bryce Harper, Yawn. AL MVP, Shohei Otani. That was an easy one right there. It kind of sucks for Vladimir Guerrero Jr., who probably would have been an MVP most seasons, but Otani did it all. But, David, oh, I know you yeah. have some thoughts on this National League MVP. Yeah, first of all, um, I do feel bad for Vladimir Guerrero. He would have won MVP in any other season. I mean, he was like a couple hits and a couple – I forget what other stats shy of, of the triple crown. Um, so hats off to him. Otani deserves it. Bryce Harper was the right choice. 100% deserves it. But what I want to get into is these two San Francisco beat writers, MVP ballots, Susan Slusser and that pretentious athletic writer, Andrew Baggerly. Um, sorry, guess we won't have him on the show. Oh, well, you're pretentious, Andrew. Both of them voted for Brandon Crawford to win the MVP. First place, Brandon Crawford was, wasn't even a finalist. You picked Brandon Crawford over Juan Soto, over Bryce Harper, over Fernando Tatis. Give me a break. If you're going to be that biased in your MVP voting, you should not have an MVP vote. But wait, it gets worse. Susan Slusser's ballot. Brandon Crawford first, Trey Turner second, Tyler O'Neill third. So you're telling me you didn't have any of the three finalists in the top three. You, Susan Slusser, know better than everyone else to put those three guys first above Fernando Tatis, Bryce Harper, and Juan Soto. Give me a break. Now, hold on. Oh, hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Back to Andrew Baggerly. Okay. I want to defend Susan in a second. Okay, go ahead. ahead. Then I'll get to Baggerly. Defend Susan, please. Before you just completely threw her under the bus, when you read those three names out that she gave the one, two, three, two, guess what all those guys had in common? They Their teams. The ma- yes. You just stole my thunder. They made the playoffs. What did Bryce Harper? It's not a team award, Kevin. It's a player award. But that's where I'm trying to make a point is that I honestly feel like what those guys meant to their team, I think held more value than what these guys did. But I want you to go back to Baggerly now. No, it's it's not a team award. It's a individual player award. Right. And there is no argument to be made that Harper, Soto, and Tatis, maybe Trey Turner, maybe Trey Turner, are the are not the three best players in the National League for this season, MVP wise. 
complete picture, stats, everything, period. Sorry, Susan, absolutely not. You should have your credentials revoked. Um, Andrew Bagley is apparently not taking this entire process seriously because he thinks he can just vote for Lamont Wade Jr. as a 10th place vote just because he is a San Francisco beat writer. Oh, yeah, no, there's, there's, yeah, Lamont Wade. I don't care. Might have been the 10th most valuable player. No, 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 no. (laughs) Pretty clutch. No, no. Maybe if it's at 9 p.m. in the ninth inning only, yes. But in terms of National League, give me a break with these two beat writers. Come on. I mean, you're going to, he didn't vote for any pitcher. You don't think any pitcher is more of an MVP than Lamont Wade, not Corbin Burns, not Zach Wheeler, not Walker Bueller, not Julio Rios, not Max Scherzer, none of them. Lamont Wade. Yes, I'm getting my my you know britches in a in a bunch over a 10th place vote, but it's the principle. It's the principle about what I'm mad about. And Andrew Bagley and Susan Slusser disgraced, desecrated, destroyed the integrity of this voting process. So I think Max Muncie ended up finishing 10th right uh yeah something like that which i think he kind of got snubbed too i mean yeah he yeah. missed a little bit of time but 10th i don't know i mean he was right up there the whole year yeah i know that's what i that's what kind of grinds my gears well, i just want to say you know who didn't vote for max muncie susan slusser <laughs> you know who she did vote for paul goldschmidt austin riley brian reynolds come on i can get down with the first two but brian reynolds that's definitely that's a bad one right there. That's, that's really bad. No pirate should be in any MVP conversation unless they're putting up Barry Bonds. Like no, I, I disagree with that because as I said, it's an individual award, but I see, this is what my issue with the MVP is. If you're putting up great numbers on a bad team, are you really the most valuable player in baseball? Because what good are you? If your team is going nowhere, don't they already have an Hank Aaron award for the best hitter per league? So shouldn't someone like Bryce Harper be the Hank Aaron award winner as opposed to most valuable when you have a guy like Trey Turner, who if I had a first place vote, I would probably give it to him because I feel like his second half batting average was well better than what anyone else did. He won the batting championship. He had the on base too. every game mattered. Unlike uh, sorry, Tatis where your team basically gave up in the second half. You have no business being in that final three. Juan Soto, if I had to pick up the three, I guess I would give it to him. But again, the Nationals sucked in the second half. So what makes you so valuable? But whatever. This is not basketball where one guy can just carry the team. I mean, he can't. What do you want Bryce Harper to pitch to? You want Bryce Harper to close games? Not everyone's Shohei Otani. I mean, look, uh, without Bryce Harper, the Phillies are are in the cellar. Uh, And with him, they almost made the playoffs. So that's about as valuable to a team as you can possibly get. I mean, again, like it's, it's a team game. Yes. But this is an individual award. All right. I mean, I don't really care that much about MVPs to go on. So no Dodgers won. So that's where I stand. All right. Just real quick, just to expose our LA beat writers. It was JP Hoonstra and Juan Toribio. JP, his ballot was Soto, Harper, Trey Turner, Tatis, and Juan Toribio voted Soto, Tatis, Harper, Trey Turner. So not quite very biased. Um, and both had Muncie 10th. So maybe be a little bit more biased, guys. If your colleagues from San Francisco are going to play the homer card, 
maybe try to help us help our own guys out. Just a tip. All right, David. That's all I have today. Was there anything else that I forgot to cover you wanted to get in there real quick? Uh, no, I mean, like I said, I think we're going to see Seager or, or Correa sign relatively soon. I think before me, probably before this, this work stoppage. Um, it's sad that it's going to get to the point where we have to do a work stoppage, but it is what it is. I, I really don't think the season is in jeopardy whatsoever. Uh, I think they just have to basically have the pressure on them to get something done. Um, and that's not going to get done in 12 days. So should be interesting for the next 12 days and then super boring for about a month. <laughs> Give the people a Thanksgiving tip before we close the show out. Don't eat anything until it's time to eat the Thanksgiving meal. You can have like a couple snacks, like maybe some appetizers, like maybe a few carrots, something to keep the stomach from closing, but you want to really open up and keep space for your stomach. Cause the key is to eat as much as you possibly can and then just be in a coma for the next three to four hours. Um, turkey go to mashed potatoes, go to sweet potatoes, go to uh, cornbread. Careful though with the bread can't fill up too much on bread stuffing. Those are what you want to stick to. Don't, don't waste your time with salad greens, any of that. That's not for, that's not what Thanksgiving is. Keep your stomach open for those four. That's my tip. That's my, that's my guide. That is some good stuff right there, David. Thank you so much. Yep. One last thing, everyone, please participate and vote in the inaugural Inclined Daughters Awards. Again, I will have the link all over social media in the description below. Second thing, give us a rating, hopefully five stars. Subscribe to the Inclined Daughters wherever you listen to your podcast. That helps us go a long way as well. And finally, I want to thank Crypto.com for now sponsoring the Incline. They <laughs> gave us $100 million to be a part of this broadcast. So once again, Crypto.com, thank you so much. Yeah. We love you. And listeners, have a great Thanksgiving. You will hear from us one more time before the holiday. But in case you don't listen to the next episode, I want to wish you all a very happy Thanksgiving. And go Dodgers. Moves are coming, guys. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C. 
Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.